to Remember Twilight, a literary podcast covering all aspects of the Twilight Saga. On Remember Twilight, we talk about all things openly. Mental health, relationships, sex, religion, fashion. We also understand that there are conversations that will come up that we might not be able to do justice. We want to include as much diversity as we can, so if you'd like to share your perspective with our audience, please message us. Oh, and fair warning, we are not spoiler-free. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. This is Marin. This is Emily. This is Shandra Charo de Volterra. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and this is Remember Twilight. Oh, welcome, everybody, to a very, very exciting episode. Uh, on today's episode, we are welcoming our distinguished guest chandra um sharo say that again sharo de volterra i don't want to say mm -hmm. it wrong but is that that's right exactly it that's exactly it right on <laughs> we are interviewing chandra today um this is kind of like a fun little series of interviews that we're doing leading up and even going past uh, the festival in forks this year Anything I thought you were going to say leading up to our final chapter. No. It's like wanna, our farewell tour. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> That's too much. Because not only will I cry, but then all our listeners will cry and they'll stop listening and it'll be a whole mess of like <laughs> snot. <laughs> a snot mess. But this is our very first interview of the series and we are so excited to have you here with us. If you guys are longtime listeners of the pod, you'll know that we interviewed Chandra. It's almost been like two years, right? Mm -hmm. It's been a long time uh -huh. since we got into the interview swing of things, which is entirely on the fact that I don't like scheduling things. <laughs> <laughs> we like to keep it really flexible around here. exactly it's not that we don't like to schedule it it's just that we have very busy lives and we keep it we keep it flexible but yeah Chandra was our very first interview ever and I remember listening back to the episode and being like oh we're podcasters that was like the first time that I realized and really 
embodied the fact that we do a podcast and we're like serious about it. And it was something because I thought that episode was so good. Like, and people messaged us and they were like, I loved that interview. That interview was amazing. And I was like, I know, like, cause I, I can't just take a compliment and be like, thank you. I also have to be like, wasn't it? <laughs> Very British of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so let's just get into it. Chandra, would you like to introduce yourself, including your pronouns for us? Yes. So hello, everyone. My name is Chandra. I am the uh, current official Arrow cosplayer at the Forever Twilight and Ford Festival. Uh, my screen name, if you've ever come across any of my social media profiles, is Sharo de Volterra. Um, the D Volterra literally means of Volterra. So when I was putting the name together, I was like trying to come up with something cute. Um, and Sharo is actually a name that I was given by some old online role play friends years and years and years ago. Um, and my pronouns are she, her. But when I'm in costume, it's your majesty. <laughs> <laughs> it truly is. You exude majesty. You really do. It's, 100%. <laughs> I had hung out with you before in your house. Mm -hmm costumes hanging out you had let me put some of yours on we put we put a cape on Emily it's been very fun to hang out with you and do all of those things and so I thought I was prepared to see you in actual cosplay uh, I was not when I went to Forks and it was that first night at uh, the roundhouse and I walked up and I saw you I gasped I almost couldn't talk to you because I was like, this is my literal friend in real life. And I am so overwhelmed by the aura that you were just giving. I was like, this is incredible. I was going to say, I think the extent of our interactions at FTF last year were me seeing you somewhere and just like wide eye staring at you <laughs> and then like being too overwhelmed. <laughs> oh. So yes, your majesty is, is absolutely the right <laughs> way to address this, this person. I love that you think that's funny because when I very first started it, it was because I had someone come up to me and say, hey, when you're in costume, what are your pronouns? And it actually gave me pause because I thought, well, he's male, obviously, but I don't play him straight male. I play him as kind of a flexible character because like everyone knows I'm female. The second I open my mouth, they're like, oh, Arrow's a girl, like kind of a thing. So I'm like, I don't really know. And then I, I saw this meme once and I was like, my pronouns are your majesty. And the, the guy was like, fair enough. And just walked away. And I'm like, that's the answer. Like, that's, that's what I'm going to say. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so Chandra, give people a little bit of insight to who you are outside of the festival. Okay. Uh, so I am 29 years old. I'm actually turning 30 next year. So tell me if you can see the gray. Um, no. I have, I know Marin's like, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I, have a, I have a master's degree in management and leadership. I currently work as one of the uh, coordinators for the Department of Corrections here in Utah. So I work in the prison and rehabilitation system. Well, I, so I'm a professional cosplayer outside of that. Forks was kind of the thing that introduced me to what cosplay could be on a higher level. So outside of Twilight, I do professional cosplay, uh, I am in the Cosplay Hall of Fame for FanX, which is Salt Lake's Comic-Con. Uh, I do a lot of charity work in costume. I write. I'm married. I've got two dogs and a cat. And that's about it. I'm, I'm, I work all the time. And when I'm not working, I'm sewing. <laughs> you are a multifaceted human being. I know that your work history is 
fascinating to me. So mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't know that right now you were working in the correctional um, industry or whatever mm -hmm. that is called, but I know that you have done like mortuary science type of things and yes that before every time I talk to you it's something more interesting you worked for the Utah State Legislature like there's so many different things you've done and I think to have that 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 varied of a career path is so interesting it, it just proves what a what an interesting human you are oh, thank <laughs> you done like only retail in my life only retail <laughs> and cleaning like, it's just amazing to see somebody just go for it Oh, I'm interested in this. I'm gonna try it out. I love that. I I I admire that so much about you. I Thank love. You. To see oh my goodness. Okay, the story we've all been waiting for. I think that we talked about this um, on our last interview, but mm -hmm. let's remind everybody of your Twilight origin story, if you don't mind. I love this story. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, <laughs> whenever I tell the story, I have to kind of figure out what level I want to tell it at because there are lots of like emotional nuances there's lots of like all of us have these stories in our lives that it's like it could be a tldr or it could be a very long sad like story so i'm, I'm trying to figure out what level i want to tell it on but okay so ah, twilight um i have uh one of those weird completely coincidental personal connections to steffi wire um and the reason for that it's not anything super significant every time i say that people always look at me like oh so you're best friends no no <laughs> no what happened is I grew up in the same church that she did, and I just happened to live down the street from her first cousin, who's also her best friend, uh, was at the time. I'm not sure if they still are, but um, this woman and my mother were really good friends. So this woman told my mom everything about what was kind of going on in her life. And one night she said, my cousin's writing these vampire books. And my mom was like, okay, interesting. But we thought it was kind of cool that she was getting published and whatnot. So we waited for Twilight to be released. The day that it was released, I got a copy and I read it and um, wasn't feeling it, didn't like it. I just, I didn't hate it, but it just didn't resonate with me and that's nobody's fault. But I read it and I just was like, I, I can't do the pining. I don't care what Edward has to say. I don't care what Bella thinks. I don't care. The only character I really cared about while I was reading were Emmett and Carlisle. So I, I found myself toward the last third of the book, like skipping pages. And I'd stop when I saw their names, stop and read the page and like keep going because I couldn't handle <laughs> the teenage like angsty pining. It was driving me insane. Emily and I were the same age when we both read the books. So yes, we were I'm curious like what kind of books you were into. Like you're like, put down Twilight. What did you pick back up that you were enjoying reading? Uh, I was currently reading a, a biography about Harry Houdini. There so you go. <laughs> I mostly read nonfiction stuff. I know I'm that person, but I love my nonfiction stuff. That's mostly what I listen to. Like I'm listening to a bunch of John Krakauer stuff right now. So I put it down, didn't really enjoy it, kind of forgot about it. And then it became this worldwide phenomenon. And oh my God, you could not take a single step without stepping in Twilight somehow. I mean, you could not. And it was starting to get really annoying to me because I couldn't figure out what was so enticing about this story. Like I was hearing everyone say, oh my gosh, I love Edward. And like, is Jacob just the best? And like all these things. And I'm like, they're not though. Like, I don't understand why this is. And that's where my frustration came in is I couldn't figure out why everyone liked it so much. I was hearing reasons, but I couldn't figure it out. So I kind of kept my distance from it. The movies came out, first movie came out, I wasn't really interested. My mom and my sister were, so I kept hearing about it. Um, and then in 2009, 2009 was a really, really rough period in my life. 
to gloss it over gently, I was experiencing the beginnings of serious mental illness. I was in my sophomore year of high school and I was the first one in my family to really go through something like this. And so nobody knew how to help me. I didn't know how to help myself. I was just miserable all the time. And then in 2009, my mother took me to New Moon, the movie, because I was just, I had been in bed for about four days and wasn't showing any signs of stopping. And my mother just came in and grabbed me by my arm and said, we're going to go see a movie. And dragged me out like I'm glad she let me put on a bra before I left the house you know but like dragged me out of the house we went to new moon and I didn't really want to be there so I was on my phone the entire time on those little slider phones like this was like pre-iPhone days right so I was playing a demo of a game over and over and over again (laughs) like I was was playing this game on my phone my phone died and I got really like frustrated I remember gritting my teeth and going and I just closed it and then and then I heard this voice and the, voice, and the voice said, what a happy surprise. Bella is alive after all. And I just looked up because that line caught my attention. And I saw Arrow on screen for the first time. And I just remember not hearing anything. I only saw him. Like I, I looked at him and I was so enraptured by him. I was like, who is this character? And I didn't know what was going on because I wasn't paying attention to the entire movie. So I was like, wait, 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 who is this guy? Like what, what's going on? But I swear I didn't blink the entire time he was on screen. I just like, like listened and I didn't know what was going on, but I, I wanted him to be like, I was like, he's right. Like he, he's everything he said. I'm like, he's got a point there. You know, he's right. Like, <laughs> um, and he would say, oh, you know, this is dangerous. And I'm like, yeah, he's got a point. Like, but I was just so enraptured by this, by this character. And so I waited for the movie to end. And then I had to wait for the credits to get his name. And I got his name. And I went home and looked him up on IMDb and the rest is history. I became a huge Michael Sheen fan, like a huge Michael Sheen. I don't like the word fanatic because it makes me seem like I'm foaming at the mouth, but like (laughs) I'm a huge Michael Sheen fan. And it's all thanks to Twilight because Twilight inadvertently introduced me to probably one of the greatest joys in my life. And one of my greatest joys, which was Michael Sheen, led me to cosplay, which led me to the festival, which led me to like people like you, right? So it's one of those weird blessings that I'm just so, I'm so grateful. I never thought I'd be grateful to be mentally ill, but (laughs) so. I love everything about that story. I, (laughs) you first told me I was almost shocked because I had heard so many Twilight origin stories up until then that were all very similar, very much like mine, you know, where it's like, I read the book and I couldn't believe how romantic it was. And I wished I had an Edward, but I had a Jacob and blah, 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 blah. You were the first person who was like, I wasn't really into Twilight. I was really into Arrow and Michael Sheen. And I was like, wait, what? That can be a thing. It was kind of really shocking to me. And so I've always loved that story about you. So I call myself a Volturi purist. Uh, yeah, because it's, because everyone always asks like, "What team are you on?" And I'm like, "Team Volturi." Like, excuse me, I didn't. I got into Twilight for them. It has always been about them. They are the thing that was the middle of the wagon wheel that kind of led me to the spokes of Twilight. Like, I wanted to find out who all the characters in the Twilight universe were because they all somehow related to the Volturi. So, without them, that wouldn't have been my gateway drug, so to say, to the rest of the saga. Yeah, well, and I gotta say, the Volturi now it being the twilight renaissance kind of like we're kind of in the middle of it it's going on people are 
I can't believe that it's still happening. You like, guys, I know. that topic had new Twilight merch Honestly, this like, week. I told Emily about a year ago, I was like, I don't know how much longer this is going to last. But it's like, <laughs> it's still just ramping up. And I, I think that people appreciate the Volturi way more than they used to. Mm-hmm. But last year when I went to the festival, I have hundreds of pictures of that week. But my favorite picture is the one where I stood with you guys at the white gala. <laughs> Yes, and um, Heidi, Heidi Heidi grabbed my arm and held it out as though she was offering it up for dinner. And mm-hmm. I just like, oh, yes, this is the opportunity. It's my favorite picture of the entire festival that I took. <laughs> like, it's just, you guys have such a vibe that just, I don't know, there's just a feeling of like, we're evil and we don't care. Vampire, you know what I mean? I just mm-hmm. love that. That's what... It's the vampire vibe that you want. I love the colon vibe because, you know, they're good guys or whatever, but there, there's something special about the Volturi <laughs> just being so mean and evil. And, you know, we're wrapping up Breaking Dawn right now and we are right in the scene where Aro is like, uh, we have to leave so that I can go start my experiments on immortal children, not immortal children, but, you know, like hybrids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like these guys have no shame no shame whatsoever and I no. I love that yeah I love how Aro always plays everything off like you could like <laughs> literally slap him with a ham and he'd be like well this has been fun <laughs> he'd, he'd probably say something like oh I admire your strength like oh, well done <laughs> like because shame is such a human emotion and I feel like when vampires feel shame it can be a double-edged sword for vampires that maybe wish they weren't immortal. It's nice for them. Like, like I feel like Edward holds on to shame so hard because he still wants to be human in a, in a way. Um, but Arrow sees that as a complete hindrance. He sees shame as something that ties you back to those fragile human years. So he's like, like, please, just no shame. But the Volterra Coven, so the coven I run around with, I'm so glad that I get to play with them because they want to have fun. So every time we get together, they are always like, oh my gosh, we should do this. This would be so fun. Or this would be so cool. And all of us will go, oh yeah, you know, that'd be really cool. And let's do that. And so when we get together, we have a genuinely good time. And I think that shows with the guests because we just want to play and it's great. It does. I had more fun with you guys than, I mean, and all I had fun with everybody, but that was the the peak of it for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Chandra, give everybody a little bit of insight into what exactly you do for the Twilight Festival mm-hmm. and kind of how that plays out. Okay. So I am the official Arrow cosplayer. I have been since 2016. And what I do at the festival is I portray Arrow's character in a live improvisational interaction format for about four or five days. The festival is centered around events that are planned ahead of time. And they are usually themed and they are held at specific venues and there's usually specific activities going on and my job is to walk around these events and to interact with the guests and create a memorable experience for them take some fun pictures things like that and it's I feel like Arrow is one of the best characters to do that because like you said earlier zero shame I can't tell you how many times I've just walked in front of someone's selfie and looked right at the camera like and just been like (laughs) just as I walk past and they write it up to him being like tech illiterate but I know exactly what I'm doing like the amount of times I photobombed someone's photo, I'll just like stare, like I'll walk behind them and I'll just be like, <laughs> and then I've had so many people message me after the festival and go, you photobombed this picture and I'm framing it, putting it in my house. And I'm like, 
<laughs> Sounds great. But I interact with the guests. I used to be involved in the planning of the festival. There were two years, I believe, two years. What is time? Two years where I was involved in the planning of the festival. And those people are incredible. You want to talk about who creates and keeps this festival together? The committee. Like, oh my gosh, those people are incredible. I did that. The first time I ever saw your face was on a documentary that they uh, somebody had made about the festival. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I... Um, was like, wow, I love this human. And then Emily was like, well, I think she lives in Utah. And I was like, are you kidding me? We have to connect with her. Like, incredible. Um, so I, I, I love your insight because you've done kind of everything. Also, I, I just have to mention, I cannot imagine how difficult it is to act in an improvisational way in character for five days straight. That just sounds like hardest thing I can imagine doing like I would come home and have to sleep for the same amount of <laughs> that I just worked it just sounds so so draining but also mm-hmm. so rewarding so. it really is and I I interact so often throughout the festival I mean I go from one interaction to the next to the next it's not like I will interact with someone and then step back and wait and be like who's the next person so I'm constantly jumping from person to person so because of this I don't really remember a lot of the interactions I have because I'm just moving from person to person so some of my favorite things are after the festival people will message me and say I got to talk to you at the dance and you said this thing that was so funny and like Deborah Trigget she was I think her first time was last year you probably know who she is she's kind oh, of I love Deborah. Mm-hmm. she I was patrons for a while she's one of my favorites I love her isn't she a sweetheart I adore she her is. Um, she's actually going to be a handler this year for the Volterra Coven and I'm so excited because oh good for her that makes me so happy she deserves all the goodness so she had one she messaged me we were in the collection Marcus and I were docents at the collection the the nightmare wedding dress was on display and Deb and a couple of other people were looking at it and they were so they were like pressed up against the glass like oh my gosh look at this look at this and she one of the girls in her group made a comment about like the Volterra right over there I bet they can smell it or something and then I just without thinking said "Mm, I'd love to lick that clean and I just (laughs) said it like and as soon as it came out of my mouth I was like "Hmm." (laughs) Like, oh god but they thought it was so hilarious I mean they turned around and were laughing so hard they were crying and I'm over there blushing like a maniac under my mask like I can't believe I just said that Um, I know so every time she sees me she's like hey Arrow do you want to lick it clean and I'm like oh my god Please don't say that in front of people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's great for an interaction like that. I'm sure she was with Sarah and Nathan, our buddies. Yeah, that's a great group. They're fun. Uh, It's just weird moments like that where I'm just kind of in character and just kind of saying funny things. But I love when people come back and say this. You said this thing that was funny because I don't remember. I'm constantly just moving on. And yeah, I feel that. (laughs) Let me ask you this. We have a lot of friends who are coming to the festival for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. And they've been asking us, like, what, what, what do we do? What should we expect? I want to get an, um, from your point of view, what do you think that they should expect if they've never been there before, as far as, like, just the general, what the festival feels like and what it is to do every day? Okay. So the first thing I have to warn you about, if you're going to go to the Forever Twilight and Forks Festival, is you need to be prepared to be immersed in all things Twilight. I'm serious. The businesses get into it. Um, There are signs all over. There are the rafting tour that you can take down, I think it's the Ho River, is Twilight themed. So like there's cardboard figures of wolves like in the woods beside the river. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's It's actually really fun. It's a calm, it's not like a whitewater tour. It's like a 
it's nice and, and gentle. Um, but you will be immersed in all things Twilight. And so be prepared to be thinking about Twilight and only Twilight while you are there. Uh, on the same note, you will be out and about for most of the day. So make sure that you have plans to eat because if you do not plan to eat, you will not eat because you will be like, let's go to the collection. Let's go to the high school. Let's go to the Cullen house. Let's go to the Swan house. Let's go to Jacob's house. Let's go to the beach. And before you know it, it's 4.30 and you haven't eaten yet. And you have an event at five o'clock, you know? So please like look at the schedule. Actually, I can't tell you how many times people have asked the question and I say, did you read the schedule? And they go, well, I saw it, but I didn't read it. <laughs> oh, I do want to give a note because last year, literally the schedule changed like from the final version to the one we got there. So definitely find the most up-to-date schedule to go off of. Yeah. Yep. My, uh, my biggest piece of advice when you're planning for the festival is read the schedule, seriously. Also do a quick search of where everything is because depending on where you stay, you might be able to walk to almost everything. But the beach, which most people want to go see, is not close. The beach is at least 20 minutes away. So know that. Um, I love it when people say, we're just going to go to the beach real fast. I'm like, yeah, real fast. Um, <laughs> apart from that is um, Orcs is magical completely magical so just be prepared to be completely off guard by that and be prepared to meet a bunch of new people who also love the thing that you love so much i feel like a lot of twilight fans for a long time in in-person settings we're so used to being the only out quote twilight fan but here you can say this is my favorite thing about twilight and someone will spin around and go oh my gosh did you read that one fan fiction that one time about this thing and they'll be like yes and did you see that one piece of fan art and then they start cross comparing all of their lore that they love and I just think that's so that's my favorite part of the festival is stepping back and watching people make these friends and their genuine connections this isn't just oh this is the novelty of a new person it's like they genuinely become friends Deb and Sarah and Nathan are examples of that um it touches, it touches my heart because I feel like Twilighters for a long time were were by themselves and now they are not oh me too 100% everything you just said I love that what you just said about how we're so used to being the only twilight person like in our sphere in mm -hmm. our normal lives is so true and then you go there and it's like you're still kind of shy <laughs> about people but it's like you could literally walk up and be like hey what's your twilight instagram and then like boom new friend like it's it's like being in second grade again <laughs> it's true and it's like it, it almost breaks your heart almost because you see people that are shy being it's they're at a twilight festival and they're afraid to talk twilight in the beginning but then they'll make a comment or they'll wear like a pin or they'll wear like the colon crest they will wear something like that and then um they just get like inducted into a group of other people they get adopted by a group of twilighters and it's it's heartwarming it's just like the cullens you know it's just carlisle collecting lonely teenagers <laughs> i guess <yeah. laughs> i love that there's um, an arrow that collects children but shh. <laughs> literally that's what we were talking about on our last episode yes we're we like spent, he loves kids we spent plenty of time on that <laughs> oh god just, if he wants to get on carlisle at all and be like well you're just you know collecting lonely teenagers carlisle's gonna be like um let's talk about you for a second like let's um, yeah and, an arrow like you said to play it off be like well it's not as it's not as ominous as you're making it sound like, like <laughs> I know last summer you were creating a new costume for FTF. Do you have anything new that you're going to be bringing along with you? And do you have any other like fun projects that you're currently working on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. You have no idea. So huh, there are two outfits of arrows I do not have. 
one of them will be done before I come to September. Uh, the other one is from a deleted scene that we will probably never see, which just new level of fury. You guys understand. So last year I was working on Arrow's Nightmare Gala outfit, which was an original outfit that I had designed for him because last year the theme of the dance was a nightmare wedding. So they turned it into a gala. And I thought um, everyone is, is instructed to wear white. And I thought I'm going to wear black because I don't think that Arrow would wear white ever because that infers that he's some type of virginal like sweet innocent little angel and I think that he would just be like white's not my color um but, but all the Cullens like they showed up in white and then they changed into red halfway through the night which I thought was really cool but I said to my coven I said we're gonna wear black with red highlights and because in the nightmare sequence the Volturi are wearing black because everyone else is wearing white and then the three masters are in suits up at the front so I thought it would be cool so I wore this amazing frock um with breeches and a waistcoat and this uh, but the outfit i'm creating for this year is arrow's medieval flashback costume so from oh. the immortal child sequence mm -hmm. i'm also making ronnie's who, who plays marcus and it's just like <laughs> there's so much i mean oh it, it's an issue so i said i really want to do the medieval flashback costumes a couple years ago i was talking to coven and i said i'd love an excuse to do the medieval flashback costume and they said yeah but that's a lot of work and whatever and then this year they said we're gonna do a renaissance day theme and I like fell over myself I was like this is our chance this is the movie <laughs> we're gonna do this this year but Ronnie and Teresa so Ronnie plays our Marcus in the Volterra coven he and his wife are like building a house in Forks they've lived in Forks for a very long time but they're like building a new house from the ground up like oh. literally the two of them so he was like I really don't have time to put together this costume and I was like I will do it for you because I can't stand the idea of you being the one that doesn't have a medieval outfit. So I'm making his and mine and it's going to be beautiful. But right now I'm just wallowing in all of the stitching and I'm doing all of their, their livery collars. It's also called a chain of office. It's those big metal round neck things that they, you've seen like King Henry wears them, you know, mm -hmm. King George from Hamilton wears one. They're called livery collars. And all the masters are wearing one. And of course, they're all different. So I'm hand making those and I'm doing, oh, and this is something else too. I'm just going to, while I'm on the topic. So I was losing my mind because I'm one of those people that I like to recreate things. I don't like when people say, oh, I guess you just have creative freedom. It like bugs my brain. I'm like, no, like if there's a reference photo that exists, <laughs> I would like to use that. Okay. Okay. Well, that scene, the immortal child sequence is so dimly lit that like you can't see anything and even if you take a really good high definition screenshot if you try to lighten it up it just ruins the it just makes it all pixelated and gross and like so I was losing my mind because Marcus is the only character in that sequence that gets a full body shot uh, Arrow we see him from like the waist up we see Caius from about the waist up so I'm losing my mind and I'm like there's got to be a reference of this outfit somewhere I'm like it wasn't in the prop auction I emailed the costume designer never heard that from him I was literally I was talking to like the people that do continuity photographs I was like do you have a picture of this outfit and then I was scrolling through my phone looking for something else and I found a picture it's a behind the scenes shot and you see the full outfit and I startled my husband awake because I was sitting in bed like looking looking because like you know the green screen shots of the final battle so I was looking for a shot where he's talking to a moon, which there is one where he's like talking to a moon and he's like touching him. Like it's, it's I want to know their relationship. Anyway, I'm looking for this photo for Maggie, Maggie. from Margaret Hall, looking, 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 looking. And then there's this picture. It's from a distance. It's behind the camera. 
you can see the camera and the shot and then there's arrow and he's wearing the outfit and you can see the whole thing and i was like ah! and i just gasped really loud and ryan sh shoots up and he goes what and i was like i just found a picture of the entire outfit and he the look he gave me was like <laughs> he was like did you have to yell like did you really have to freak out and i said ryan like you do not understand like it's a, like and so i'm trying to like drive home what it means and he just literally just like lays back and goes like rolls over and goes back to sleep but i couldn't sleep i was up for like two hours with a fluttering stomach like i can't believe i found this i can't believe i found this photo and now i can make the whole outfit so that's the end of that long story <laughs> that's amazing i love it when past emily finds good things for future emily to like come back it's the best. I'm this just glad that I saved them because back in the day, those were only released in like blogs. You know, like like people would say, "Oh, look at all these pop sugar uh, screen caps I got," or "Oh, look at these bootleg shots that someone got that were totally illegal." Like they were like leaked from the set. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just glad that I saved them when I did because if I hadn't, I wouldn't have been able to find it again because I've been looking for it for months. So. That's an example of the kind of um, dedication that you have to your craft. Is that just a random shot that you had on your like phone. I just, you just, you're helping yourself out. I think it's great. <laughs> I was very grateful for past Chandra for that one. So thank you, past Chandra. So Emily, I totally like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I know it's like, I don't, I don't do those kind of things for myself, but you guys do. That's the genius behind your guys's craft. Oh yeah. Every time <laughs> Google photos is like, what do you like us to archive your screenshots? I'm like, no, I need those, obviously. <laughs> I took that picture for a reason. It might help me two years down the road. You never know. I love it so much. Well, and there are so many of those behind the scenes shots where like you've seen it once and then you kind of forget about it. And then later down the line, someone will say, I really wish there was a shot of, and you go, I swear I've seen something like that. And then mm -hmm. you, you sort back through all your stuff and then you go, oh yeah, look at this terrible shot taken from someone's flip phone of whatever was happening on set and I, I appreciate that it's cool love it speaking of cosplay and all of the different ways that you do it and all the things that you found I want to know about like your favorite thing about it and then your mm -hmm. least favorite thing about it you've already touched on you love to make a replica and make it as perfect as you can um what is your favorite thing about it and then you're like your least favorite thing about cosplay favorite thing about cosplay is the opportunity are the opportunities that they give me to interact with other people because I honestly honestly if I was creating cosplay just for me and not taking it anywhere and not doing anything with it I don't think I'd have the same level of enjoyment I would have a level of satisfaction but I wouldn't have a level of enjoyment so I love the fact that cosplay gives me the opportunity to interact with people I wouldn't otherwise be able to interact with and in such a special and memorable way I love that. I wouldn't have even thought of that as an aspect of cosplay. Mm. To me, I just think of it as, you know, the costumes and the and the character. I wouldn't have even like taken into consideration the interactions you have with the people while you're in cosplay. I, I love that. Thank you. It's true. And honestly, it's like it, it, it's just further affirmed to me every year where I, I said this in the documentary or no, I said this in the in the big hit show podcast where I said, most people do not want to talk to me as a, as a person. Um, like they'd love to talk, talk to me for a second, but like, they don't want to really talk to me. They would like to meet me. And then, but Arrow, people want to tell him 
their secrets. They want to tell him their life struggles. They want to tell him about their pain and their triumphs. Like, I can't tell you how many people will come to me before the festival and they, they know who I am. And they'll say, oh, you know, my daughter graduated this week and I'm really proud of her. And I'll say, oh, that's great. You know, it's wonderful. But then when I'm Arrow, that same person will come back and say, my daughter graduated. And I'm so proud of her because she overcame this, this, and this. And like, this was so hard for her. And, and then they start telling me all these personal things. And Arrow's happy to sit and listen because he and on the goss, he loves that. But he's in for the tea. Like he likes the drama. But it's just interesting to see how people will confide in him, but not necessarily in me. So it's, the, it's that arrow guest confidentiality, I guess. Like, oh, <laughs> they have to go to confessional with arrow. <laughs> no, imagine. <laughs> okay, but like, what, like one shot idea? <laughs> I'm just going to come and tell you all my sins. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, no, no. Arrow. Uh, okay, everyone who goes into the confessional booth confesses their sins and then Arrow eats them. Like, so there are all of these like reports of people going missing inside of this church and oh they're spinning this idea that like, oh no, they've been raptured up to heaven because they're like, <laughs> and Arrow's just eating them in a booth. It's a type of rapture, okay? <laughs> I didn't specify for whom. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I can't believe you just said that. I'm just like, that is amazing. That is. I'm like, my mind has been opened up. (laughs) Love. Imagine him in a priest stole, like like a collar and a cassock. I feel like he's done it. He's like, I'm bored. See ya. (laughs) Imagine him trying to appeal to Carlisle by being like, I'm a religious man now. I do enjoy um, God. When... When they lived together and he used Carlisle's cross as a decoration. Yeah. <laughs> Carlisle leaves and he's like, I miss him. I'm going to become a priest. Just, <laughs> just to connect. Mm-hmm. Just to have one more connection with Carlisle. I just imagined having, if Arrow had a crucifix, but he used it to like stir his cup of blood. Like he has, and he just like, and Carlisle's like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, isn't it handy? <laughs> this is a whole new this is great okay this is like a role play storyline but okay keep going (laughs) keep going keep going (laughs) i'm sorry continue oh yeah well what's your least favorite thing about cosplay this is actually a pretty easy answer the worst thing about it is the upkeep and the repairs and the cost that's truly it like there aren't a lot of things i dislike even the days where i'm frustrated when i'm trying to fix something when I fix it, there's a sense of like accomplishment and like, I'm so proud and I'm happy. But when I have to rebuy contact lenses and they are 175 per lens. So that's a 300, you know, $40, $60 after shipping cost for lenses. I mean, these lenses are amazing. So that's why I buy them. But having to, and most of what Arrow wears are not things that you can just buy. Like they, I think that's one, one of the things that separates me from some of the other cosplayers is I feel like it's difficult for them to find things, for, especially because the clothing they wear isn't made anymore. But like Arrow doesn't wear clothing that is made. He wears clothing that is custom made or specifically made. I can't just be like, oh man, I ruined my waistcoat. I better go find another one. Mm-mm. You got to make that. Like you got you to make it. But the cost is ridiculous. I sat down last year and calculated all my costs and I spent easily into the five or $6,000 range just on costumes and repairs and additions and uh it, so this is a, a true undertaking 
if you want to cosplay at the level that I cosplay at, you have to know that this is one of the things that you just have to deal with is the cost. I mean, the reward is that you are the elite. Honestly, you are. I know. <laughs> I'm just like, that's, that's perfection. That's where cosplayers want to be. And so, right. and I really I, hope yes, that the, that the number you just said, <laughs> no, big. it hurts. It hurts me. And I really just hope that people aren't like intimidated by, I, I hope that they don't use that as an excuse to say, well, I guess I'll never be a better cosplayer because cost is a really big piece of it. But the reason that the cost was really high is because I do a lot of things myself, or I do a lot of things that way and th there are ways to become a better higher caliber cosplayer without spending five or six thousand dollars so don't let that be a deterrent yeah um last September after we came home from the festival was the Utah comic-con and Chandra actually did a panel there oh, talking geez. all about cosplay and so I went and I sat and I watched you talk about that but you're like such a champion for people just doing it I loved hearing you talk about beginning clause play and like all the things that you can do with it without money too so thank you I am a huge huge supporter and lover of up-and-coming cosplayers I love to talk to them they are my favorite people I would much rather talk to an amateur cosplayer than a professional cosplayer but the passion they have at the beginning is just so contagious to feel feels so good it is, and I love to hear what they're learning. So I feel like professionals, they have learned a lot of it, and now it's just like, oh, I have to do this again. Like, mm, it's so annoying, or oh, I have to redo this or whatever. But the amateurs are like, I learned how to top stitch the other day. And I'm like, oh my God, I love top stitching. Like, and they say, yeah, I'm gonna start working with EVA or I'm gonna start whatever. I love that crap, like, love it. This year, I'm doing another panel at FanX, but it's cosplay how to take it from good to great. So I'm doing like, I'm bridging between kind of the amateur and more professional levels of cosplay. But I didn't know that you came, Emily. I didn't know yeah. that you came. I was there. I was watching you. I was like, oh, <laughs> and that room was packed. I was like, damn, look at her go. <laughs> My first thought when I walked in and saw how many people was, I was like, you guys, some of you guys are in the wrong room. I know no. that you are. <laughs> uh, so Chandra we know we're going to be able to hang out with you this September in Forks but we want to know what your like future with Twilight looks like are you ever planning on retiring this beautiful collection of yours are you just gonna stick in it until you get kicked out I don't know something <laughs> RO what am I trying to say until RO does something unforgivable <laughs> <laughs> first of all he is the one that has ultimate forgiveness so unless he like he, he can break all the rules he wants because he can just pardon himself like there you go. <laughs> uh, but anyway you know when you guys mentioned that you were talking about that the other day of like how much longer is this twilight thing going to go on I ask that at the end of every festival every year but I think it's also because like when the festival ends it's like you're on this twilight high and the festival seemed like it went the best it's ever gone like every year it just gets better and better and better so when it ends I think they can't do any better than this like how much longer is this really going to last and then every year they sell out of tickets you know and then the next year they sell out of tickets and I am lucky in the fact that my character that I portray in the movies is in his mid-40s in the books he's 19 he's 19 which is weird but um <laughs> I don't I don't like that 19 so, <laughs> he's 19 or in his early 20s I always get it mixed up with Marcus because Marcus is around the same age but I'm so glad they aged him up I can't even tell you but Arrow's in his mid-40s which means that I could physically play him until I'm in my mid-40s 
which is a weird idea to think that I might still be doing this for 20 more years or 10 more years, I guess. Oh my God, 10 more years. I just can't believe I'm that close to 40. Play Arrow till I'm old and gray. I will yeah. probably be writing Arrow fan fiction until, and I don't know, until my fingers break off, I guess. The Twilight's just become such a, not just an integral part of my life, but it's become such a sentimental part of it too, that I, I can't imagine not having it. I can imagine it coming back and being more of like a personal thing and not having a community as much, but I can't imagine just getting rid of my stuff and saying, I'm not doing this anymore. The only way I would do that, the only reason or thing that could ever happen that would cause that is if Michael Sheen said something negative about my cosplay and then it, it would all be out the window so fast. I can't even tell you like, they just that's it. That's the only thing. People can be as rude about me as they want. They can be as critical as they want. They can say that Arrow is evil and nasty and, and you know, not sexy and like, shut up, first of all. But secondly, they can be as nasty about him as they want. Stuff like that doesn't doesn't penetrate my armor, so to say. But all it would take is Michael Sheen to tweet like, hey, but what's up with this girl, lol. And all my stuff would be gone. I would throw it out the window so fast. Like, I would be done. No, I'm serious. That day, I would take all of my stuff and put it in a box, and I would not. I mean, I wouldn't even shed a tear. I'd be like, "Well, Michael thinks he's dumb, so I guess, I guess it's oh, over with." That's such a funny fear because, first of all, that would never happen. If he saw your cosplay, he'd be like, "This is the coolest thing I've ever seen." So we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> and also, whatever you do, whatever your future takes you, I'm gonna be right here behind you. Like, oh. just and just like keep going girl forever because oh, I'm your biggest fan I swear I love it <laughs> that's so sweet I love that you guys saw the whole thing that happened with his plaster head right uh I saw something happening but I have been avoiding Instagram just like that at all costs <laughs> but so so remind us tell me what happened oh this is one of the weirdest moments of my entire life okay so Ashley Green does the Twilight effect podcast and they they broadcast it on youtube so i was watching it on youtube and michael sheen was a guest on like the third or fourth episode or something like that and i couldn't believe that first of all that they would get him because in my mind he's so untouchable like he's so um but no he and ashley are like great friends apparently and it was so fun to sit there and listen to them just talk like old like old friends but they were talking about uh for the breaking dawn uh battle sequence they had to take a plaster cast of his head so that they could make a fake head the one that gets pulled off and thrown across the snow and he goes yeah they made a plaster cast of my head and then it happens all of a sudden all of a sudden with no warning there was no foreplay nothing all of a sudden he goes and then i saw that someone that was being sold online and somebody bought it and i like i, I had to pause and sit back and go are they talking about i was like surely not like sure and so then i paused it I went to my closet and pulled out my little box. I have it like crazy foam wrapped and I have it like wrapped in bubbles and pulled it out. And I was like, is this what they're talking about? And so I went back and played the episode. And then, I mean, Ashley started calling me creepy and Ashley was like, oh, that's so weird. That's so creepy. And I'm just like, first of all, you obviously don't understand the Twilight fandom. But secondly, I totally have this head. I'm not kidding. I was like, I can't believe I had this. My, my first thought is I'm like, they must've sold multiples of this thing no 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 i went back and looked the guy who sold it on ebay is the is is that's it like that is the only plaster cast of michael sheen's face and it was taken on the set of breaking down part two which i can't believe because i thought it was taken on the set of underworld i thought it was like you know a little a little bit before that but nope breaking down part two so i just have this plaster head just in my house and it's michael sheen and it's fine and everyone thinks it's creepy and i just can't believe this is happening to me and like so i made a tiktok because i didn't know what else to do 
of that clip of Michael being like, and then I saw someone bought it. Isn't that weird? And then I just made a video of me just lifting it up next to my face. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I have it. I'm the one that has it. And then Melanie, the co-host of Twilight Effect, reached out to me and was like, oh my God, I can't believe you have this head. And I'm like, I totally have his head. She's like, why do you have it? Like, is it like a, she's trying to figure out if I'm like doing like kinky things with it. Like she's trying to figure out She's like, why do you have it? And I'm like, I'm a huge Michael Sheen fan. That's really all it is. This is not me thinking I possess him now or something. Like I'm doing like demonic things with it. She can't figure out why I would have his head. And I'm just like, girl, you're telling me right now that if you couldn't have, you could have a face cast of the person that you, you know, your celebrity crush, you'd say no. Like, but I just have his head. And so they are, they are, I don't, I don't even know what to do. Like, if I ever meet Michael, I think I might give it to him and just be like, you can destroy it. You can keep it. Like, I, I know, I know. It's, it's spurned this conversation though about how celebrities are uh, tokenized, I guess, or they're, they're objectified. That's the word I'm looking for. They're objectified. So uh, I didn't think about how weird it might be for him to look at a plaster cast of his own head that some stranger now owns. I mean, I don't use it as a candy dish at Halloween. Like, I don't understand why this is such a, <laughs> well, for the record, I don't think it's weird. I know I don't think it's that weird so either. Cool. I uh, think it's cool. I don't know. Possibly, I might be on the Twilight Effect podcast. That maybe. would be awesome. Full support. Happy. Because, for you. I, I know it's not nice. Melanie reached out and was kind of talking to me about it, and then I got an email from the producer and was like, "Hey, like we'd be really interested." And then they want to hear the story about me getting into Michael Sheen and like. And what I left out of the story I was telling you initially was the reason that New Moon was such a big deal to me and why Michael Sheen was such a big deal is because, first of all, I never felt that way toward an actor or, or a musician or a band or anything. But this is going to get kind of dark, so trigger warning. I'm sorry for all of you friends. But um, the reason that it's so significant to me is because I was, was actively postponing my suicide because Michael Sheen kept announcing new projects. So as soon as I became enthralled with Michael Sheen, I bookmarked his IMDb on my desktop and I would check it like every week or, you know, two or whatever. And every time it was, it was a hard time. I was, I was drafting suicide notes. Like I was sitting here thinking, how can I do this so that my family won't be traumatized? Like that whole kind of thing. But then he would announce that he was going to be in an episode of 30 Rock. And I'm like, well, I can't, I can't, uh, can't do this until the episode comes out. And then after that, I'm like, well, he's in a, he's in a direct TV movie now. And oh, now he's in a TV series or now he's, and I, I was able to hold on to that until I got to college and then I was able to get medicated and back on my feet and stand on my own. But I, that, that's the piece. That's the piece I need people to understand of why this is so meaningful to me. Michael Sheen quite actually saved my life. And I don't know how to tell him that ever. If, if I ever meet him, what am I supposed to say? Like, you saved my life. Uh, I don't see why not. I think, weird. I think that's beautiful. Um, and I am so glad that he was there for you and that Twilight, because of the years of you staying around mm-hmm. because of Twilight, I now get to know you and to be literally blessed by having you in my life and as a friend. And I just think that's the most, that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And I can't imagine him knowing that and feeling weird about it like I think that he would think that was a beautiful not even just a tribute but just a beautiful story um that he kept somebody here 
on this earth who needs to be here. I'm grateful for that. I feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I, I can hear your voice kind of quivering and I'm like, please don't. Cause like, <laughs> I just, love I love it. It's, yeah. it's not, you know, it's, I feel like it's kind of a theme in the twilight fandom that it's kind of held us all together in a way. I was going to say, it's like, it's a very personal thing to share. So thank you for sharing it. But I know it's something that so many people can relate to. And it's something that nobody talks about. That's such a, so so I brought it up in the panel last year that I did with Christy Lynn. And I, first of all, I have no problem talking about it because to me, it's not a taboo subject to me. It's just a part of my life. Right. But I had so many people come up to me afterwards and say, I can't believe you brought up mental health. Like no one talks about that. And I I'm shocked because to me, I'm like, that is such a big part of who I am. So I'm just glad. So I, that you say that. Thank you. And, and, and yeah, so thank you. Marin's over here crying. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Edward Cullen creepy mind reading question. And I want to know the answer. (laughs) What is the thing that you would least want him to overhear you thinking about? (laughs) I think I would give that poor man a headache because I have, so I have ADHD and I'm on the spectrum, which means that my brain is constantly like doing backflips and stuff. So that poor man, first of all, but secondly, he, I wouldn't want him to overhear that how much I dislike him, basically. (laughs) (laughs) That is an embarrassing thing for somebody to know. It would be the opposite of like, oh, I love him. Like, why can't he just notice me? I would be like, do not look at me again. I swear to God. (laughs) Edward would be like I need to introduce her to Rosalie honestly I am a big believer that Edward Cullen hears people saying mean things about him in his head all the time and that's part of why he hates himself so much in this this scenario like if am I self-aware in this scenario because imagine me talking to him through my mind I'm like yeah I see you looking at me like put your dumb face away from me like uh, or he'd, I don't want him to overhear the things I think about um, Arrow either, because mm-hmm. they're not necessarily sexual, but they are strange sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we all have those. So I, I don't want him to, his face, he would look so thunderstruck if he saw some of the things. He'd be like, Yeah, what? I think even though he's over a hundred years old, he's still a very sensitive and naive little boy. <laughs> he's like, well, I can't get that image out of my mind. Like. Poor guy. I can't look at Arrow the same way ever again. Like that's basically yeah. Oh, cute, cute, cute. So, Chandra, before we let you go today, do you have anything else that you wanted to touch on here? And also, can you let everybody know where to find you online? Yes. So, um, I would like to give a shout out to the Forever Twilight and Forest Festival that happens in September of every year. It happens over Bella's birthday weekend, which I believe is September 12th, 13th, 14th, um, every every year. So you can go to the Forge Chamber of Commerce for information on that. I also highly, highly, highly recommend that you travel to Forks not in September um, during the festival, but just come because the city is amazing. Everyone who lives there is friendly and wonderful and they want you to have a wonderful experience. And I just think that's amazing. Um, Give a shout out to the uh, Swan House in uh, St. Helens, Oregon. It's actually an Airbnb. It is the house they filmed Twilight in and you can stay there as an Airbnb. So uh, you do have to book about a year in advance. So just know that. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to all my fellow cosplayers. So to the Olympic Coven uh, and to our uh, visiting Denali Coven, you can find all of us on Instagram. Uh, my handle is forever underscore Sharo, S-H-A-R-O. Uh, you can find the Volterra Coven. You can find the Olympic Coven. 
um, we have a couple of Denali cosplayers from a couple different groups that we're kind of spotlighting and highlighting with us this year. And that's it. So my name, by the way, I forgot to bring this up. So Sharo, my name, um, I got this from a group of people that I used to do online role play with because I started back in 2009, as soon as I got into Twilight, started doing online role play back in the days where you had to post a forum response and then refresh the page, like back in those days. And they gave me the name Sharo and everyone thinks it means she arrow. Like, like it's a girl. It's no, it, it comes from my name and arrow. So they used to call me Sharo. So I've had that nickname since like 2009. So I'm just, I'm just glad that I get to incorporate it now, but that's really, uh, you have, this is an amazing podcast and everyone should listen to this podcast. Um, that's, that's really all I have. I don't really have anything else. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode of Remember Twilight, uh, our interview with Chandra or Sharo Divaltora. She is an, an inspirational cosplayer. We are so glad you were able to join us. It was so fun talking to you again on the podcast. We hope to have you back many, many times. I can't wait to see you uh, in Forks as Aro. Uh, next week, we're going to continue along with our interview saga. So stay tuned for our next guest. And remember to always lick it clean. <laughs> <laughs> Love you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been remembering Twilight with Marin and Emily. You can stay in touch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Remember Twilight Podcast. Please consider joining us on Patreon for a weekly bonus episode, access to our notes, original artwork, and to connect with our awesome community. You can message us at RememberTwilightPodcast at gmail.com, send us a voice message on Anchor, or leave a review on iTunes. Check out the show notes for all this information and more. Thank you to Stephanie Meyer for sharing her dream and making ours come true.